Shane with Radical Rocks. We're live today with Eric. And how do I pronounce your last name, Eric? Rinta Mackey. Rinta Mackey. Rinta Mackey. And we are going to talk about the Euperlite rocks that he discovered. And before we get into it, I'm just going to give a little plug for our blogs, which are at radicalrocksusa.blogspot.com. And you can find all of our links at the bottom of those pages. And also, we're going to include on this podcast a link to um, Eric's uh, website, uperlights.com. So with that, I'd like to introduce Eric and get right into the discussion and just uh, get to know him and hear his story. It's pretty exciting. And um, Eric, tell us. Tell us a little bit about your your journey and what's been going on. Well, I'm just a regular old Joe Schmo rockhound. I'm not a geologist. Um, and my journey started when I was a kid. My dad brought me to the beach every time we got a chance. As soon as the snow would melt in the springtime, we'd be out looking for uh, Lake Superior agates, semi-precious gemstones here in Michigan. And, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm in Michigan's Upper Peninsula on the shores of Lake Superior. I live from my driveway. You can see Lake Superior. So right. um, I most of my life I've been up here in Upper Michigan in the eastern Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And so agates are just – they were consuming me. They were my whole rock-picking thing. And – over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, Facebook's gotten pretty popular with rocks. So there's all these groups, Lake Superior, Agate Collectors, and, um, you know, Lake Superior Agates, and all, all these groups really focused on Lake Superior Agates. Well, these little semi-precious gemstones went from, you know, you find a uh, a stone the size of a quarter that was 10 bucks 10 years ago now is a hundred dollars you know so they're getting to be worth a few dollars and they're getting to be harder and harder and harder to find that's a fact so, so me as a, a rock hound you know i used to be able to go out to any beach that i would normally go to and i would never see another soul all day if i did it was one of my dad's friends or somebody i knew that you know was always an agate picker you know, back from the 50s or 60s. So um, it was basically just a bunch of old guys and, you know, me as a young buck and I'm 45 now. So um, still, young. <laughs> yeah, still young, but, you know, for the most part, there wasn't a lot of people my age 10 years ago looking for these stones, you know. Um, so anyway, it's really transformed in the last 10 years or so. So now I go out on a beach on a day when it's raining and the wind is going sideways and you see 50 people on the beach all looking for agates because it's the day after a storm and, um, you know, the beach is all riled up. So it's the best time to go look. And it, it doesn't matter what day you go now. There's just, you know, all sorts of people on the beaches. So I was working at a casino at the time in 2017 and it got to be springtime in in early may and the ice finally started to go out 
and I started going to the beach and I was having no luck finding agates. So about 20 years before I had taught my brother-in-law how to find Lake Superior agates and he caught on really, really quick and got really good at it. Well, he bought a rock and gem magazine and brought it to me. He showed me these lights on this advertisement in the back of rock and gem magazine. And it happened to be for way too cool lights and they were UV lights and they were kits that looked like a shoe box that you put together, you know, and you had to do all the soldering, do all the stuff for them. And back then, you know, four to $800 was just incredible amount of money for me. I could never afford one. He could never afford one. He's like, man, I bet you the whole beach lights up. So fast forward 20 years in what uh, would have been April of 2017. I got on eBay and I found a mineral detection light for seven bucks. <laughs> and so I thought, you know what? I work at the casino. I was running a poker room for the casino and I got off work every day at two o'clock in the morning. And I thought from two o'clock till six o'clock when it gets light out, there's nobody at the beach. There's nobody there. I could have the beach all to myself and I could try to find some, you know, UV agates. So I went through all my agates that I have at home. I have 36 that fluoresce. Now, 35 of them fluoresce under shortwave. One of them fluoresces under long wave. So I thought if I can find them with this little cheap light, you know, if I, if my little cheap light lights this agate up, I can go down the beach and look at night since I found these during the day. So I went out three nights in a row after work, spent five, six hours each night looking didn't find a single thing. On my fourth night, I was at Vermilion on my hands and knees, literally on my hands and knees, and I found three little stones in a circle about two feet around. And the one, they were all had bright orange patterns on them. The first one had what looked like little snowflakes or little flowers on it. The next one had like little lines going through it. And the other one looked like it had stars all over it. So I'm like, wow, these are crazy. So I screamed a profanity really super loud on the beach at four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> drove home 90 miles an hour as fast as I could. Cause I wanted to get on Google and find out what these things were. Right. So I get home and I Google fluorescent orange minerals in Michigan, nothing. So then I'm like, all right, fluorescent minerals in Michigan, nothing that looked like these. And then I typed in fluorescent orange minerals and I found a lot of sodalites and some other different minerals that were the same color, but none that had the same patterns. And everything that I saw online was not glaciated, was not tumbled by a beach. Oh, excuse me. It was very um, broken and craggy rock. You know, it didn't look anything like what I had. So I was super unsure of what I had because I'm not a geologist. I'm just a rock hound. And I, you know, I've been hunting rocks all my life. So I, you know, I have a bunch of knowledge, but it's untrained. I guess you'd say untrained knowledge. So I took them to rock shows because I was an agate vendor. I was selling agates at like a lot of the Midwest shows and I took them to rock shows. Nobody could tell me what they were. I took them to a university. No one could tell me. I took them to geologists. Nobody could tell me. So finally, I sent some off to California. I have a buddy. His name is Gabe Reyna. He's a geologist and a fluorescent mineral expert. So um, he works for some of the mining companies out in California. And he's like, yeah, send me some. I'll tell you what they are. I'll do some research. So he read some books and he's like, I have an inkling. I think these came down from Canada from glacial, ac glacial activity. 
and he's like, send them to me. I'll look at them. So he looked at them and he told me, Eric, I think I know what you have. I think they're a cyanite rich in fluorescent sodalite. And I'm on the phone with him and I said, Gabe, that is the worst rock name in the world. <laughs> what do I call these things? I can't call them cyanite. You know, I was like, that sounds like suicide to me. And he's like, just come up with the name. He said, you know, make it something like where you're from and what they do. So where I'm from, uh, you know, I, I threw all these different names around like uh, muscalite for muscalange or vermilolite for vermilion. And I'm like superior light. And I'm like, nah, none of it sounds right. He said, well, whatever you do, just put ITE on the end. Cause when they name a lot of fluorescent minerals, they put ITE on the end. I was like, all right. So I was on the beach hunting for these fluorescent stones and I'm throwing around all these different names. And all of a sudden I'm like, Uper, I'm a Uper, Uper lights. So I love Uper lights. It was, it stuck. I, and as soon as I came up with it, um, I ended up selling a few on Facebook on a page called the fluorescent mineral mart. And they were just going like crazy because I was selling them super cheap. And I had big, giant, super bright ones that I wish I still had, but sold them very cheap because I thought, hey, you know, I'm going to be able to find all sorts of these things, you know, this size, this quality. Little did I know those are really hard to find. Um, so I had a group of gentlemen, uh, Kelly Laughlin, and let me see if I can. I have a copy of it here. Uh Kelly Laughlin and Sean Carlson. They're from the Michigan Mineralogy Project. They bought, I don't know, about three or $400 worth of stones from me. And about a week after they bought the stones from me, they send me a message and they say, hey, can we do some testing on these stones? I was like, you bought them, do whatever you want to them. And then they send me a message about a week later again. Uh, we think you found something that's never been... Uh, found in Michigan before we think you have a new find for Michigan. Would you mind if we uh, did some further testing and if it ends up being that you found something new for Michigan, would you mind if we put you in a peer reviewed journal and in a book called the mineralogy in Michigan? And would you mind writing a paragraph about how you discovered these stones? So I did. And I didn't hear from them for like six months. And then in May of 2018, I was published in an article in the mineral news. I was on the front page of the mineral news and it says, let me see. It says a new find of fluorescent sodalite from Michigan's upper peninsula. And then that was the first time that anyone other than me had used the term eupolites forum. And so then in May of 2018, I did my first night picking tour, took a couple from grand rapids out and they had just the time of their lives and through them telling their friends, telling their friends, I ended up booking my second night picking tour in July. And it was with a group called Michigan Rockhound Friends. I took 20 people out. So I went from doing two people to 20. So that was quite the leap I took. And I took 20 people out, hooked them all up with lights, and we went out night picking. I taught them how to look for them and told them what to look for and everything. So I asked them all, I said, before we get before it gets too dark, does anyone mind if I take a little video? I want to try to drum up some business. I'd like to get this tour thing going, and everybody was fine with it. So 
Um, we're not hunting for five minutes and a, a super awesome lady, the lady that put on the tour, uh, her name is Shirley Clemmer. She starts screaming from about a hundred yards away. So I take my phone out and I run over there and I take this 30 second clip of Shirley finding her very first stone. And when I do, I hit it with my, my really nice $400 Raymond Wu light. And it just, it looks like the Ankara stone from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. It's about a one pound stone. It's really egg shaped and it's super, super bright. And the video, my phone made it look like it was taken during the day, but it was taken like five minutes before dark. And I post this video on my Facebook page. So I do this about 4.30 in the morning. I wake up at noon. It's got 3,000 views. And I'm just like, uh, what's going on here? And, and, you know, a day later, it's got 50,000 views. A week later, it's got millions of views. And then just it went crazy. It got picked up by every news agency in the United States that I know of. I had ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox all come into my house to do interviews with me. And then um, it was the number three story on Reddit for a few days. I was getting like a million hits on that video a day. And then I ended up getting signed to a, 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 a what's called a digital video company that uh, licenses my videos and stuff for me now. And that, that video just went super viral all around the world. And I ended up doing uh, an agate show in Muscalunch, north of Newberry in September, just before this all went really crazy. And I was up there for four or five days and there's no cell service up there. So while I'm up there, I end up, having this uh, booth and I'm all the way at the very end and, you know, I have these new stones and it was just nutty. I have, you know, like a hundred people at my booth and all the other booths have, you know, like two or three people. So this gentleman came down and walked around my booth and was listening to my story. And I, I saw him and he saw that I was super busy. So he came back later after the show was ended for the day. Cause this isn't a big campground. And he had this big yellow notepad with him. And he's like, Eric, he's like, uh, I, I'd, I'd really like to ask you a few questions if you got a few minutes. And I'm like, sure. Uh, I was like, are you a reporter or what? You know? And he's like, oh, I'll get to that later. Can, can I just ask you questions first and then I'll tell you who I am. I was like, sure, that's fine. So he asked me all sorts of questions and then, he got to this uh, one question where he's like, you know, what, what are your goals with, with, with all of this? And I said, well, I set three goals for myself this year. I said, one, I want to buy a new Subaru. One, I want to get into rock and gem magazine. And then three, I want to make a million dollars selling stuff, selling rocks. And he said, well, I don't know about the Subaru or selling a million dollars worth of rocks, but I can help you with that. Uh, rock and gem thing he's like my name's wayne peterson i'm a writer for rock and gem magazine so we ended up making uh plans for the the following evening i took him out on a private night pick and we had the time of our lives and i ended up not being in rock and gem once but twice two months in a row for april and may's 2018 issue or 2019 2018's issues yeah or 2019 yeah 2019 wow so that was pretty cool been a really exciting ride 
Yeah. And since then, I mean, every three weeks, something happens like right after that show with him, I get contacted by a guy that wants to do a 20 minute documentary with me. So I'm like, sure. And it ends up getting put on PBS locally. And then they did so well there. They did it on PBS nationally. And then one week after PBS was here, I ended up um, Japan, a Siri TV from Japan sent over a film crew and they ended up coming over for the day. They sent four people and I just had a blast. I was, I was on a show called Let's Go to the Mystery Spot in Japan. And um, if you go to my or my uh, Facebook page, Uperlites on Facebook, you can uh, if you scroll down far enough, you can find the videos where I was on in Japan. It's pretty funny seeing myself in a Godzilla movie, basically. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a blast. Uh, so they were super cool. And then it's just like every two or three weeks, something happens to me. Like my video gets found in a different part of the world. It got picked up by Unilad and I had like 40 million views on Unilad. And then it got picked up by Unilad Australia, uh, the daily mail, all this other stuff, you know, it's, it just seems like every two or three weeks something happens. And then recently um, last month I was on the travel channel on a show called paranormal caught on camera. And that was really, really cool. That got me quite a bit of business actually, because <laughs> everybody's quarantined. So everybody's home watching reruns of uh, paranormal caught on camera. So uh, that was really cool. Really cool. Anything else um, that you were going to update us with before I kind of ask a few questions or kind of uh, put a, uh, a couple thoughts into this? No, go ahead with questions. That'd be great. You know, um, I think you hit on some really cool um, things that are my goal with Radical Rocks is, is to educate, um, build communities, um, and I have to try to attract new people as well as people who've been in rock hounding for a long time. And I think you have hit some really um, interesting parts of, of both of those. And for example, the fact that, you know, you've been doing the same thing, looking at the same area and you've, you've kind of hit the dream that we all wish we could find something new or something different or that it, really it's funny you say stuff. that i've kind of turned into like a rock pickers folk hero yeah <laughs> so i mean tell us like you know i mean it's just so exciting to us to hear your story because that's what we, you know when we find that really cool rock or that really special one that we we've got on our shelf and we tell the story with it um yeah. you know like you've got that story man i mean you've got one of the ultimate stories of that and it just makes i think it really warms our hearts to hear that and this is giving me goosebumps man oh and uh, and you were mentioning stuff about kids i am so big about getting kids into doing this uh right before i left for tucson i went to well, I've been to a bunch of different schools now, but I went to the Curtis Academy. The I think it's called the Three Lakes Academy, and I did third grade, I believe, through seventh grade. And I I showed him my documentary. I I've done some YouTube stuff with uh, Brian Major. He's the crystal collector. He's got the number one rock, gem, and mineral 
show on um, YouTube. And I did two or three videos with him and I showed some of that to the kids and I gave every single kid in the school a Uperlite stone to bring home. And, you know, and I gave them all a copy of my article and I try to get kids into doing this, you know, and make it really memorable. But, you know, so that way when they're my age, they can look back and say, Hey, I remember meeting that guy. He gave me a stone. Check it out. You know? So getting kids into the sciences and, you know, just get one of my biggest thing with my tours is I get a lot of families. Okay. And one of my big, big goals is getting people off the cell phones, off the computers, off the TV, not playing Xbox, communicating with each other, out in nature, doing something fun they wouldn't normally be doing. And then I ask everyone that goes on one of my tours to pick up a piece of trash because we see trash that you can't see during the day. Clear plastic and stuff, you just can't see it on the beach. At night, it glows super blue and we pick it up. And at the beginning of the year last year, I was bringing a backpack just for garbage. Okay. At the end of the year, I couldn't pick up enough garbage to fit in the pot on my hand because we had picked it all up. Wow. So we've really made a big change on the beaches of Lake Superior up here on this end of the UP, which is making me super happy, but I'm getting people all over the place. Um, I just had a new customer. He ordered a couple lights and he's been taking his eight year old out down near Chicago and they've been hitting him like crazy and he's doing really good. And he's, he's, he's so excited about how excited his son is about hunting for rocks now. Yeah. It's such a great hobby. And like when you told, I did watch your, um, I watched a couple of the news videos are of you um, early on. And also I watched the documentary and I just, recommend the viewers go out and do that too because like when you were talking about the lady uh and you videotaped them how they light up i think about like every time a lapidary group goes into a school or i'm invited to go to a school and i can see as i pass out these rocks the kids eyes just light up oh yeah i've created i've helped be a part of making the next generation of those that are going to appreciate earth science and maybe, you know, rock hounding and lapidary and, but just at a deeper level than just being someone that walks on the face of the earth, a rock hound is, is much deeper than that, you know, and, and I pardon the pun, right. But they are, they understand that this is where things come from. This is the building blocks of life. This is so much to, you know, and when I hear your story, it's just so exciting. And I just feel like this is really going to be big for the kids and, um, I'm definitely want you to to give all your um, your websites and plugs and all that and let you know that I'm going to be adding a set of these glowing rocks to my collection for especially when I go and educate um, the young people in the community and stuff like this on what we're doing. Awesome. Yeah, I've uh, like I've had dealings with the Fluorescent Mineral Society. I'm a member. I'm a sustaining member, and they're writing a paper right now about how Uperlites have gotten so many new people into collecting fluorescent minerals that just weren't before. This has caused a whole big phenomena, especially here in the Midwest, because now tens of thousands of people have the ability to just go out in their backyard, basically, and hunt 
thousands of miles of lake shores for these awesome fluorescent stones with a relatively cheap light, you know, because you can get a, a decent light for about 40 to $50 and all the way up to a hundred for the best light that is on the market, you know, so it's not a really huge investment and basically anybody can go and it has caused, I mean, I can't tell you how many lights I've sold just thousands of them and gotten so many new people into collecting fluorescent stones that in a lot of them weren't even rock pickers to begin with. I, I've, I've had it where I've had a couple out with me on one of my tours and the, the gentleman didn't want to pay for a light and a tour because he thought this was all silly. So his wife goes down with me and we're picking for about a half hour, 45 minutes and the husband comes down and he sees her finding stones. He's like, oh, that's pretty awesome. You know, oh, that's, that's really cool. And then the next thing you know, he's like, oh, let me try the light. And then she's like, well, give me my light back. And then they're fighting over the light. So <laughs> I don't let anybody go that doesn't have a light anymore because I, I don't want people fighting over the lights, you know. <laughs> that's great. I, I've converted a lot of people that were, like, totally against rock picking at all or – uh, didn't want anything to do with fluorescent minerals or this or that, or didn't even know that fluorescent minerals existed. You would, you wouldn't believe how many people don't even know that fluorescent minerals exist. Right. Because when you go to a rock show, I don't care what rock show it is, you know, maybe except for like Franklin, New Jersey, you go to a, a, a rock show or gem and mineral show in the Midwest or in the West, there might be one booth with some fluorescent minerals you know, and it's all tucked away in a corner. It's not out there in your face like everything else is. So a lot of people don't even realize that fluorescent minerals are a thing. Yeah, that's true. And I want to recommend to everyone that's list, going to listen to this um, through, through through the coming years and whatnot, that uh, they go to your website and, you know, definitely look at those lights and pick up a light because, you know, we want to support um, each other in the genre. And also there's like you said, there's fluorescent lights all, there's fluorescent minerals all over. And if you're camping, why not, why not, you know, be safe, but look around the campground a little bit and see yep. what you can find, you know, with one of these lights. This is something I tell people all the time. One of my new goals is to sell a fluorescent, one of these lights to a 12 year old kid or an eight year old kid from California, Utah, Alabama, Arizona, wherever. And they go and look in their backyard or in a creek bed or in a park with their parents, and they end up finding the newest discovery of a fluorescent mineral that no one knew was there before. That would be that that would just top it off for me, you know. That would be great to be that inspiration that was able to set that off. I like that. Yeah, and don't ever let someone tell you no, there's nothing in your area. Because I went twice now with the geology department of Lake Superior State University, we went up to the source up in Canada and found the source of these stones. Well, on our first expedition, we chose six locations. They chose five locations using old maps from the 80s and 90s, geological maps, geological survey maps. And then I picked one spot using Google Earth, my gut instincts, and all my rock picking prowess okay so what i did is i used google earth to look at the beaches and look at the stones that are on the beaches because google earth is great they have this uh where you can click it and it has little blue dots that show you where anybody has taken a 3d picture of the beach 
So you can literally fly down onto the beach, look in 360 degrees and even zoom in on the rocks that are on the beach. So I was like, they have to be there on this beach that I had picked. And all the geologists, everybody that went on the expedition is like, no, 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 we'll go there last because we're not going to find anything there. It's not in the zone. We were there five minutes and everyone found a stone. So <laughs> never let anyone tell you no. And the reason those stones are there is not from glacial activity, but they are glaciated. What happened was these stones were all brought down by glacier into the lake and some of them would hang out on the edge of the lake. Well, when the lake freezes, it captures stones. That ice melts, it floats to the east 300 yards, and then it gets dropped again. And then in a couple more years, it gets picked up and brought 400 more yards down the beach. Well, after 7,000 years, it can go 20 miles. So that's how those stones got down the beach where I predicted they would be, and they were there. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and you know, um, I think it's also a credit to to rock hounding in general that you know we're we're not to be minimized for our contributions to to uh, geology and earth science because rock hounds have made many, many, many discoveries and very, very big discoveries as well. So yeah, that's like uh, Sean Carlson, the head of the Michigan Mineralogy Project. He's writing a paper about my discovery and how it was found by a normal everyday rock hound because he's sick of all these geologists and PhDs sitting in their ivory towers. They discover 40 new minerals last year, but no one ever hears about it. It's put in a peer reviewed journal or a book and that's the end of it. You know, it's, it's shared am amongst the academics, but regular rock hounds never hear about it. You know? Yeah. So we get the story. <laughs> yeah. So I know a lot of stuff gets dismissed when people bring a rock to a geologist and they're like, Oh, that's just a rock, you know? Okay. Well, they, that's what they said to me too. It was just a rock. Never know. You never know. Yeah. Well, tell us about your, um, your websites, um, what you got going on right now and um, how people can connect with you and things like that. Well, the easiest way is on Facebook. Just type in Uperlites with an S on the end. So it's Y-O-O-P-E-R-L-I-T-E-S. Just type that in, type it into Google, type it into Facebook, type it into YouTube, type it into Instagram, type it into TikTok. I'm on everything because uh, like TikTok is for like 12 to 15 year olds. When I do a thing at a school, I'll talk to all the kids and at the end I'll say, Hey, who's on TikTok?" The whole entire class raises their hand and I say, okay, now I want all you guys to add me on TikTok tonight. And then I put up videos about Uperlites on TikTok all the time, just 15 second little clips all the time. So it, it's a blast. And when I went to Japan, I was constantly putting up stuff all the time because I took everybody on that adventure with me. Um, but, like, my website is www.uperlights.com. Um, my Instagram is uperlights underscore official, but I have four different ones, So, but that's the best one. And then Eric Rintamaki, Uperlights for YouTube, and then Eric Rintamaki on TikTok. Okay. And then for some of us that may never get to make it out there for your guided tours, I mean, tell us about your tours and then 
you know, also some of the things that you have online that you're, you're offering to the public? Okay. Well, I'll start with my website first. Um, anything, I mean, anything you can make out of a stone, I can make out of Uperlites. They're about a five on the most scale, five to a six. Um, they're most of the time, they're not very brittle. So you can carve them really nice. I have bears, birds, turtles, everything you can think of. I do a lot of spearing and um, I'm really good at making spears. So I have a lot of Uperlite spears for sale right now. I have a friend that does knife handles for me. And so I have oh, a lot of knives with uh, Uperlite handles. I'll be listing those here pretty soon. And then um, all sorts of different things, uh, pop sockets for phones. I sell the individual stones. I sell bags of stones, little bags, big bags, um, I sell all sorts of different flashlights for looking for them. Any flashlight you buy on my website now is going to have what's called a filter on it. They're all going to be 365 nanometer. And to have a flashlight with a filter on it, you have to go through Bill Gardner at Way Too Cool. That's a lighting company. He owns the patent for any handheld UV flashlight with a filter. So if you're buying it, filtered off of some company from Japan or Amazon or eBay, you may or may not be buying a legal light with all my lights. They're legal. All my lights are guaranteed for life. You ever drop it, break it, anything happens to it, send it back to me. I'll send you a brand new one and you don't have to pay nothing for return shipping or anything. I'll even email you a shipping label. If, you, if something breaks, all my stuff is tough as nails. And right now, the best light on the market, the absolute best light period right now is the Convoy C8. It's It starts at $100, and it comes with the light with a filter and an extension tube. So you can put two batteries in it. You put two 18650 batteries in it. It comes with four batteries. So you got two sets of batteries. You got about two hours worth of picking with that. And then it comes with the Uper Light Stone and a copy of my article as well. And then I have different options for that light as well. I have one that goes all the way up to 150. That's my most expensive package, but that has batteries that you can go out for eight hours and pick the whole night and you only have to change your batteries once. So, um, uh, yeah, I just, I don't sell junk as far as lights go, but, uh, my cheapest light is a little handheld UV keychain comes with a stone and the keychain comes in a little plastic bubble. Cause when I was over in Japan, I kind of mentioned that before, uh, my sponsor over in Japan, his name is Satoshi Yui. He owns Sun of Lamel rock company over there, like uh, gems and minerals. And he has a, what do you call it? A uh, vending machine with Uperlites in it. So you, he gives you a token you crank out a, a bubblegum thing, you know, a little bubble, and it has your stone in it. And then he gives you a little light for it. Well, I found little 365 nanometer lights that fit right into the bubbles also. So I have my vending machine that I bring to shows now. And then I sell the, the vending machine bubbles with a light and a, and a stone. And then I have it with a little half-ounce bag of stones also and a light for $15. But, uh, yeah. And then basically any anything... I have in person at a show. I also have online. All right. Well, that sounds pretty good. I'm glad to hear you're able to, uh, you know, be able to try to do this full time. I think it's great um, because you're able to share that special story like no one else could. Um, I wish you 
all the best in, in your um, moving forward this. And I look forward to supporting you at some level. And I really thank you for taking the time to interview with our channel. It's a small little channel, but it's growing quickly. And, ah, I'll try uh, to help that too. I have quite the social media presence and you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, over a year ago, January of year before last, I quit my full-time job and now I do this full-time. Well, that's awesome. And I'm doing better. I've done way better so far doing this than I ever could have at my job. Well, I think, I think you've been blessed with that. And, um, and because of that, you're trying to bless others um, with the helping the kids at school, things like that. I, I appreciate that you are giving back to the community that way. And I think that's, that's what we all kind of do. And um, as, as rockhounds, dedicated rockhounds, I think that's what most of us do. And, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and if anybody ever makes it over to Lake Superior State University in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, I donated display lights for their UV display, and then I also donated flashlights for all their geology students, and stones that brought back from Canada are in that way. Okay, very good. Well, I think I'm going to conclude this unless you have any parting thoughts you'd like to share, Eric. No, no, that was awesome. Yeah, I'll... Uh, I'll try to hook this up and I'll post it all over the place. All right. Sounds What's good, the, Eric. Thank you the best so much. Way to listen to this uh, one more. Just using that app. Pardon just me? using the anchor app. Is that the easiest way to find the podcast? Yeah, I'll post it right okay. away. All right. All right. Luck, man. Thank you, Eric. And um, for the listeners who are still on there, just want to thank you for listening and I uh, hope you're built up and encouraged by this um, interview with Eric and the Uperites that he discovered. Hope you're re-inspired to get out there and go rock hounding um, in 2020. Please check out our uh, blog. It's radicalusa.blogspot.com. All of our links are at the bottom of the single blog. And with that, uh, remember, rock hounds don't die, they petrify. <laughs> Thanks. Over now.